You're listening to The Business Marketing Show. We're talking books, business, and beer with Dan Norris, the author of The 7-Day Startup and also the owner of WPCurve.com. You can find us at businessmarketingshow.com on iTunes, SoundCloud, and Stitcher. Hey everyone, Ed K. Smith here from Business Marketing Show, and we have a very special guest today, Mr. Dan Norris. Uh, Dan has a business called WP Curve, and he is also the author of The Seven Days Startup, which is an Amazon bestseller. Um, It's about you don't learn until you launch. It's all about how to launch products and services, and it's it's a great book. So welcome, Dan. Thanks for coming on the show. Oh, thanks for having me. I'm looking forward to it. Awesome. And of course, Brendan Tully, the oh, thanks, lovely, thanks, this is the lovely co-host. Me, you know? <laughs> we won't forget that, Brendan. He's also on the line. I'm just here to look pretty, right? <laughs> well, fortunately, none of us you know, are showing up on a video or anything. This is all audio. so you know, Well, I, I can see him from the picture and he, he looks good. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, he's always got that rough stubble happening look like you, Dan. So, um, yeah. And, and rugged, me, me, rugged. me too. Rugged, yeah, rough and ready to go. Just so, about uh, three times the size. <laughs> yeah, 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 he is. <laughs> so, Dan, you've been doing quite a lot recently and you've uh, been building some different products and services. And so what we'd like to do, though, is go back to the beginning, the beginning of Dan. How, how did Dan start in the internet marketing world? What what were you doing like a few years before you got into this game? Oh, how far back do you want to go? A couple of years before you started doing web marketing stuff. What were you, what well, were you I, doing? Well, I was, I was working in the government. Uh, I really only had sort of one job out of uni. Actually, no, I had two jobs out of uni. The first one I lasted one year at and then I left and then I, the second one I lasted four years at. So I think I was 26 by the time I left. That was in 2006. And um, I left to start a web agency and I told everyone I'd be a millionaire before I was 30. And then um, eight years later, I started applying for jobs again and had no money and wondered what the fuck I was going to do. Uh-huh. Um, and that, <laughs> that's, the, that's the first eight years of entrepreneurship for me. Yeah, that's, that's probably better than most, actually. So <laughs> you, you did well. So then you had yeah. a bit of a wake-up call by the sound of it and thought you've got to maybe change what you're doing or have a different uh, approach to business. So what happened when you had that wake-up call with your, your web agency? Yeah, well, I mean, the web agency was like an ongoing seven-year-long wake-up call because it was, <laughs> it was sort of like every, every three months when I'd do my bass, I'd be like, oh, that's good. It's going to be a good quarter. And then um, or like what would I be preparing for? And then you'd get to the end of the three months, I'd be like something would happen and it would be shit and I'd be like, oh, shit, it's another shit quarter. And that would go on for year after year after year after year and eventually after figuring out there was really nothing I could do to fix it I ended up selling it um and I gave myself a year I I sold it for really no more than I'd put into it bugger all really I I gave myself a year to build something else um which was an analytics dashboard and that was a a total disaster but albeit a lot faster disaster than the first one um and then and then I'd I sort of, at the end of that year, that was when I was applying for jobs again. Well, I wasn't applying for jobs. I was looking for jobs. Um, I probably didn't have the confidence to apply for jobs. Um, unemployable. 
Yeah, yeah, I know the feeling. Yeah, and then I started WP Curve more or less out of desperation. Um, you can still see the the original thread in the DC forum, uh, which is pretty funny. And it just because <laughs> everybody just told you it wasn't really going to well. work, I think, including me. <laughs> yeah, I mean, a lot of people said some people liked it. Other people, I mean, I had I had a bunch of very interesting comments. I had I had a really good one that I. Did I put it in the book? No, I didn't put it in the book. I put it in a blog post once where one of the guys from the DC sent me a message and basically just told me, and, and a guy I like and that I'm friends with, I think he was just sort of being very direct and honest. And he basically told me that I'd fucked everything up and I'd done too many things and I'd stop, stop killing your customers and starting new projects and focus. And um, that was like the week I launched WP Curve because he thought it was such a disastrous idea and that I shouldn't be doing it. Um, <laughs> so you said so, to him, don't hold back, mate. Just say what you feel. Yeah. I'm like, Jesus Christ. No, really, like when I read it, I'm like, Jesus Christ. I think he's true. I think he's right. Um, uh, and it really annoyed me. But um, it's, it's good to be able to look back on and think, well, fuck that. He was wrong. <laughs> so that leads into WP Curve. So uh, what put it in your mind to start business? Uh, WP Curve as a business, and and what is it, and who is it targeted at? Well, it's it was pure desperation at the time. I mean, there was a lot of things that went into it. There was like I had an audience, I had some background in, in fixing WordPress sites, and I had a bit of recognition. For, I mean, not significant recognition, but I mean, people knew that I knew how to fix, knew how to build and fix websites. So it was sort of a sensible thing for me to work on. But I really wanted to. It was it was just one of those things where like. I like a high growth startup and I thought the only way to do that was with a software app. Um, and I, I just had to do a transition where like I had to figure out how to do it with services. And, and I, I had to first of all, accept that services were okay. And that took me a year to accept that. And once I accepted that, I just went about taking out all the bad bits that I hated from my last business and only included the bits that I thought I could scale. Right. And, um, and set it up in a way that I could market it in a way that suited me. So with my content rather than sitting around in coffee shops trying to sell websites to people. Um, and I think at the end I came up with the service, which was, and by, by, by the way, when I say the end, I mean like the end of the day because it was two weeks before I'd literally run out of money. So I, I came up with the idea on the day and then launched it the next week. Right. Um, and I just, yeah, I just came up with this idea of doing unlimited small jobs for websites for WordPress websites for a monthly subscription. It's it's $79 a month now, but I think it was maybe it was 59 when I launched it. And, and I think I did a discount for the DC and maybe a discount for my list to get a few, few people on there. Okay. Um, and it's really, it's just exactly the same service now as it was then. The only difference is we've, we've got a big team of developers. I think we're up to f between 40 and 45. I haven't checked the last couple of weeks, but it's a, a decent team of contractors around the world. Um, and we just do the same thing as we did before. We do mostly monthly subscription, uh, unlimited small jobs, and then sometimes we do uh, one-off jobs as well. Okay. Actually, when I say sometimes, we we do one-off jobs for the same price as a monthly monthly service. So we 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 do seventy nine dollars for one thirty minute job, or seventy nine dollars a month for unlimited thirty minute jobs. Okay. So so these are small jobs. All on WordPress. There's, there's, you're not yeah. working any. So it's all WordPress based. So it's like installing um, plugins or tweaking some content or something like that. So it gives a description of some of the main services within that sort of price range. 
Yeah, really anything you get done by a developer. So if, if you had a developer and you were delegating tasks to them, think about the stuff you could delegate and the stuff you couldn't delegate. You, you wouldn't delegate a, um, a, a from scratch design or like you wouldn't get them to design a banner from scratch, but, but you might get them to tweak an existing one yeah, or um, you know fix a plugin or fix a broken site or recommend a plugin or just give you some advice on something or install Google Analytics, all kind of stuff that, um, you know, interpreting emails from Google about them indexing your site and just all that stuff that people who aren't technical people really don't have a clue about. And um, if they've got a reasonable business, it may make sense on $79. So they've got that on call 24-7. Okay. And you stay away from actual new website development? You guys don't do any of that sort of stuff at all? That's left to someone else? No, we don't do anything outside of what I've described. We yeah, don't do okay. any new, new stuff. We don't do any you know one-hour jobs or two-hour jobs. We don't do any hosting or SEO or, or anything. Awesome. Brendan, do you have any questions? I do. Uh, so I've got a few questions because I know because we're friends on Facebook and people, I mean, from the outside, WP Curve looks like an overnight success story, but the reality is it's, you know, that's years of learning and you have the background of running, you know, a small web agency before that. And there's yeah. a lot of people who try and rip off WP Curve as a business model and don't make it work. They don't have success. So what do you think it is that's different about the way you do it? I know you have a lot of content marketing and you have a personal brand. Do you think that's why it works for you guys or do you think there's something else at play there? Well, I think that first of all, I think the idea that you can just do what someone else is doing and be as successful as them is just something that just doesn't make sense. And most people think it's true for some crazy reason, but it's just not. And that's what, that's what my first book is about. It's just about the fact that you can spend your whole time analysing whether something is a valid idea or whether or not you can make it work. But at the end of the day, it doesn't really matter if why it doesn't work. It just matters if it doesn't work. And if you can't make something work, then, I mean, it could be a million reasons. Who knows? I can't tell you why WK is successful. I can just launch something and, you know, hopefully it doesn't take me seven years anymore to work out if it's going to, if, if I'm going to be able to make it work. Um, so, so yeah, copying people just doesn't work. So I'm not concerned about that. And, and I think it just doesn't work generally. Not, you know, copying WP Curve is not going to work because copying yeah. other people just doesn't work. Um, but as, as for why, why you know, I had a, some level of success with it, I think, there's, I think timing is important. Like we, we were yeah. pretty much the first people to do something like that. If you did it now, I don't think you'd get any attention at all. Um, it was a cool story because I'd, I'd – I'd sort of built up a lot of um, noise about what I was doing and it had tanked and it was a good, easy story that I was happy to tell and I've been telling that story on my blog since 2012. So once, the, once that story came good, it, it started getting a lot of attention and mm -hmm. uh, just spread through word of mouth. It's a very easy thing to refer people to. Yep. Um, so I think and, – and, I mean, you can, you can copy that. Like a lot of the stuff in my first book is about how, how do you copy the underlying reasons why I think – this idea works and I think you can do that. Like you can do the, you can do the same thing for other services. It's not going to necessarily guarantee it's going to work, but having something that people can easily refer, having something where you're doing something really simple and saying no to everything else, having a decent brand, um, a short name, uh, something referable, having some way of marketing your business that is a good fit with you and that, that mm -hmm. is, enables you to get a lot of attention. And that's, I mean, that's been the big thing. Like now when I launched, I'm able to get a lot of attention, whereas five years ago, I spent my whole time trying to get attention. That, I think that's why entrepreneurs work because they spend so much time trying to get attention. But once you put in years and years of content and, and you know, all the stuff I've done over the years, it becomes much, much easier. So um, 
I think when I launch something, it's I have an unfair advantage over someone who has no audience. Mm-hmm. And then on the other end of the scale, when Seth Godin launches something, he has a massive unfair advantage over me and, and everyone else. So um, all of the things combine, I think. And um, we've also haven't been shy to tell our own story and, and every opportunity I've, I've been very keen to do that, even though a lot of people sort of tell me not to. Yeah. Um, so I think that's helped too. Yeah. Mm. I think the story is the- critical. One of the things, because there's some really good stuff in the book and I know both me and Ed get it because we do a lot of in-person workshops. We have a lot of people with pie-in-the-sky ideas of some, not so much these days, but maybe a few years ago, like they have some app or some great business idea that's going to make them the next Mark Zuckerberg. But one of the things Mm. you have in the book is um, it's something like, you know, target something people are already paying for or or something along the lines of that which I think it's, it is a massively important point. Do you think that's a, one of the reasons why it works? Because people were already paying for support, but in kind of a haphazard way, like hourly stuff or an Odesk or something like that? Exactly. So, I, I mean, all I really did was I, I just went backwards and worked out, like, why is this business working when all my other businesses haven't worked? And the, there's a clear difference between the analytics app and this one. And the, the biggest thing I noticed was... The analytics app was was a, a trying to sell people something that they weren't used to paying for, um, mm-hmm. because that, because everyone gets analytics for free. Whereas if if people have a website and let's face it, WordPress, you, you're gonna have problems with your website. Like it's a self-hosted, completely flexible platform. That's shit's gonna happen, mm-hmm. um, and you're gonna have to pay to, to fix that. There's there's really no no other way to do it. So. It's, I don't think you need to necessarily create something that's, that already exists, but you need to solve a problem that people are already paying for a solution for. And then is infinitely easier because you just need to convince them that there's a good reason they should be paying you instead of someone else as opposed to uh, convincing them that there's a good reason they should pay for something that they're not currently paying for. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, great point. And we talk about that as well. We've talked about that on previous episodes that you know there's a big difference between capturing active demand or having to create demand because when you have to create it, you have to do five different things. You have to convince them that your product's good, that they should pay for it and all these other things, whereas if they have active demand, they already want it. So most of the job from a sales perspective is already done, right? Yeah, and I mean, I think there's, there's so many different ways to approach something like this. Like my my stuff is all really written for people like me who, who don't really have access to big lots of funding and don't have the luxury of being able to, to magically invent something that's going to change the world. And so for that type of audience, I think this kind of message is important. But mm-hmm. um, there's definitely, I mean, there's lots of examples out there of businesses that have just invented something that people weren't even thinking about. I mean, some of the yeah. best entrepreneurship examples in the world are, are that. But the, the problem is, it's not really accessible for you or I. It's normally, you know, edge cases like Facebook or Steve Jobs or you know that kind of stuff where it happens. So I think people people see all those examples in the in the media and think like that's what being an entrepreneur is all about. But really, if you look at the people that are like you or I who are hustling their way to a decent business, that's not really how they go about it. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And that's another thing. So just going back to the funding, you guys have built this business without. I don't, I don't know if that's the case now, but you built it initially without any paid advertising, right? Still the case, yep. Still the case. Very good. Cool. So that's what the – so you have the seven-day startup. That's the book that's been out for whatever, a year or whatever or maybe a little bit longer. And you have a new book coming up, um, Content Machine, and that's all about content marketing and 
the the marketing, like, I guess, marketing a business without paid advertising, right? Yeah. So the the first book sort of tells the first part of the story, um, and and tries to tell it in a way that's going to impact people. Like it's not just me talking about what happened to me. It's sort of like, well, this is what I learned, and this is how you can implement this to get uh, a similar result. Um, but but it didn't really talk about how we've grown the business, and um, in and I sort of thought that would be a bit easier for me because I like content marketing, and I thought it would be quite easy to create a book about it. Um, but um, it turns out it's a lot more complicated um, because I think it's a lot more mis- well, it's a lot more misunderstood. I don't know, but it's very misunderstood. I think a lot of people um, feel like they understand it. I think that that might be it. It might be just the fact that with businesses, like if it's not working, people are just happy to admit that you know they're they're not getting it and it's not working. Whereas with content, I think. A lot of people just convince themselves that the reason it's not working is because they haven't created enough of it or they haven't waited long enough. And um, so they don't really look, they don't really be honest with themselves at the content they're putting out and whether or not they're doing it as well as it. So in this book, I'm sort of attempting to change the way people think about content marketing, snap them out of their current sort of write every day, uh, wait as long as you can for a result kind of mentality. And, um, give them something really actionable that they can apply to their business. Again, a bunch of things to test because there's no formula. It's just a bunch of things that I've observed in my own content. And in this case, other people's uh, success as well, probably more so than the first book. I've looked at lots of successful content marketers and not what they're doing now, but what they did at the time um, mm. and tried to tried to sort of analyze why they were successful, how they were able to differentiate um how they're able to stand out and, and get some attention for their business. And so it ended up being a really big topic. Like it's, it, I can't really talk about content marketing if I don't talk about business because mm-hmm. if there's something wrong with your business, the content's not going to work. And I, and I can't talk about content marketing without <laughs> talking about scaling content marketing because my audience is entrepreneurs. And if you're going to do content marketing, then you need to do it in a way that's going to scale. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I can't talk about content marketing without differentiation because it's probably the most important aspect of it. So I've got 10,000 words on that. <laughs> um, <laughs> it just, it just turned into a really, it took a long time and it turned into a really a big, a much bigger project than the first book. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And when is that expected to come out then? It's coming out on the 10th of August. So right. I'm not sure when the podcast is coming out, but it'll be free for uh, three days on Amazon between the 10th and the 13th. And then it'll, I think my current book's like $4 or something. So it won't be much, but Amazon make you, make you put a price on it. And in hindsight, I would anyway, because um, the first book I wasn't planning on, man, crazy as shit. The first book I was just going to upload to my site as a PDF. And then just a whole bunch of people reached out to me through my content. And, and that's when I realized, like, wow, this, there's like a, a lot of power in this content marketing. I'm doing. I didn't realize until then. Um, I got a whole bunch of people reach out and, uh, and volunteer to help me with this book launch. And it just absolutely blew up. Like this morning, I got an. I don't know if I should say this. Well, I'll just say it anyway. <laughs> um, this morning, I like I, okay. A couple of weeks ago, I got an offer from China to translate the book into Chinese and print six thousand copies, or maybe three thousand copies, for six thousand dollars. And this is this is not uncommon. Like I've sold like five translations of the book already. Mm-hmm. Um, and this morning, the agent person came back and said, "Oh, there's been like a another party interested," and they had like a little auction thing and the offer that came back at the end of that process was 23,000 US dollars. <laughs> awesome. Wow. Just to, for, for, and for an initial print run of 10,000 copies, it's like, fuck me dead. That's insane. Like everyone says you don't make money from books, but like I've made a reasonable amount of money from this book. 
Wow. Yeah, but was that the intention? Interestingly, is it when you wrote no. the book, it wasn't to necessarily to make money from the sale of the book. It was more an uh, an authority building process, and just to get the content out there. Is that yeah? No, never intended to make money from the book. But I think I think when you um, treat something like it's valuable, like you know, anyone who's asked asked me for a free copy, I've just told them to buy it on Amazon. That's the only way I can sell it. I mean, it's probably out there mm. on Torrent and and it's in bookshares and whatnot. So I don't care. But um, I'm I'm treating it like something more than I would if it was a PDF up on my site. And yeah. I think it just is is a lot more valuable that way. So I, I wouldn't change the way we've done it. I think people have a really good opportunity to get it for free in the first couple of days. And then if they have to pay $4 for it, then if I can't create $4 worth of value, then there's, there's something wrong. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I don't get the like, Kindle books, five or 10 bucks max anyway, right? Like I know. the time you spend looking for it for free, you could just hit a buy button and you know, you'd already yeah. have it. It's crazy. Yeah. I mean, I do it now too. Even if I've got a free, like Taylor Pearson's book, he sent it to me for free beforehand. I just end up buying it on Amazon because I couldn't, couldn't be fucked trying to work out how to get the PDF onto my Kindle and it's not going to look at <laughs> this. I'm like, well, I'm exactly the same. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah, exactly the same. It's just not worth it, right? No. How, how did you find the process of uh, putting it up on Amazon? Was that a, a simple process or did you were there any hiccups you had getting it done and did you outsource that or how did you go about it? Yeah, well, I mean, originally with the, with the last book, I just wasn't even planning on... Um, putting it on, on Amazon and then Tom Morks, I think he cites TomMorks.com. He's like a book marketing guy. He reached out to work with me for a month on doing that. He did the whole thing. Um, okay. Derek Murphy did all the formatting and design for it. Alyssa did the editing for it. And um, we use CreateSpace for the printing. It's just, it's just so easy. Like you just, they print it on demand. So I don't have to pay anything. It just goes wow. up there. If someone orders the physical copy of it, then they print it on demand and send it to them and I don't have to do anything. I'm sure I don't make a lot of money out of it, but I'd value my time more than mm-hmm. sitting around printing books. So yeah, and you don't have to keep inventory. That's the great thing about Create Space through Amazon. Well, I don't have to do anything. Like it's literally, right. I don't have to do anything. Like no, there's no support for the book. There's no. I mean, occasionally I'll get like an email from Africa or something saying, "Oh, the book doesn't work here." I'm like, just get on torrent. Um, <laughs> but yeah, like there's literally you, you literally do nothing, and it's cool. It's really cool to have a physical copy of the book. Like people get really excited about it. It's crazy. Like I'm not a book person. I don't even have a copy of my book. Um, <laughs> Because <laughs> you, because a few years ago you didn't really, you were not a big book man either. I know you write books; it's crazy, right? It is crazy. I, I was sort of for a while there going to aim to write more books than I've read, but I think that's that's gone out the window because I've started to try to figure out how to. The Kindle is good, actually. I like the Kindle. I've been able to read books on that. That's pretty useful. I think mm-hmm. a new book title should be "The Accidental Author." That could be one for you, mate. <laughs> yeah, that could be good. I mean, there's a lot. There's, it, the thing is, it's not that hard. Like the the um the process going from like your draft of something all the way through to Amazon is is a it's a long process and it's a frustrating process because it's back and forth with the editors and even now like it's it's still not ready. I'm emailing back and forth every day. I've sent Alyssa, I don't know, hundreds of emails, hundreds, like three or four hundred and comments in the docs, and, and then that's before it even gets to a formatter. So all of that is like a long sort of process, but but at the same time it's it's pretty easy and um you can pay like not a lot of money to get it done. Like I, this book's probably going to cost me about 10 grand because I, I um, bought the domain contentmachine.com. That cost me a fair bit. And then I've paid uh, the, the formatter and the, the editor and the, the marketer and a couple of other things. Mm. Um, the first book cost me zero. And if I was really like, if I want to do a lot of it myself, I could definitely do the marketing myself. I mean, to be honest, I could probably do the formatting myself if, if I really wanted to. 
Um, I couldn't do the editing myself, but I mean, it's not that expensive. Like you could put a book out for under two grand easily. Mm-hmm. And if you've got a decent audience and, and you're solving a decent problem with the book and you've got a good way of getting attention for it, then it's, it's not going to be hard to make that money back, I don't think. And, and even mm-hmm. if you don't make it back, it's just a really good, good authority piece to have a book. For sure. Yeah. Was there a point when you were writing the seven-day startup, so you started off and it wasn't going to be like, a, a, I guess, a serious book, um, for lack of a better term, was there a point where like what happened between, you know, you were going to do this thing for free and then all of a sudden you're going to do it seriously. Did you have to go back and restructure it or rewrite it? Like, what? I mean, I guess my question is around the process. Did you just, you know, open up a Word doc and start writing or did you have a sit down and work out a framework first? Or what was that process of actually getting stuff onto the page? Yeah, well, I mean, I was always going to release, it was always going to be a book. So... I can't, I honestly can't remember. I know I was going to put it up on my website for free. I think I was just going to give it away, but I think I might have also, I, I might have been planning to put it on Amazon just as like for a dollar or something. I, I, I can't remember, but the, the process was so long and detailed that by the end I felt like I had something that was really worth something and I, and I just didn't want to give it away for free anyway. Um, mm-hmm. So, or, or not, not that I didn't want to get, give it away for free because I did give it away for free for the first week and, and I had like 13,000 downloads. So the majority of people did get it for free. But I felt like it was like, okay, I really need to do this properly rather than up on my website because of all the effort that had been put in, mainly by mm-hmm. other people. Um, Process-wise, that one didn't take me long at all. A lot of the content I'd written for that book, I'd put out on my blog. Some of it I'd put out on Medium. I'd, I'd in fact published every chapter from that book before I even released the book. And I did it deliberately leading up to the launch of the book. I basically, just to keep myself, I'd write like two chapters and then I'd put it up on Medium um, or put it on a guest post somewhere. Um, and by the end, I'd published pretty much the whole thing around the internet in various places. I didn't really tell everyone that's what I was doing, but if you wanted to read my book on 20 different websites, you could you could definitely do that. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, uh, yeah, the process was easy. It was just um, I used Trello, you know, in much of the same way as other authors would use, like, actual Post-it notes, mm-hmm. put all the ideas together and drag them around and just trying to figure out where it fits. And then I just wrote it all up. It only took me a couple of weeks to put it together, the first version of it, because as I said, it was just all stuff that was in my head. It just came out really easily. I didn't really have to do any research or anything. Yeah. Um, I did a little bit, but um, it wasn't, it was, there wasn't too much involved from that point of view. And then, and then it was just the editing. Like, like Alyssa, Alyssa did a lot of work like structurally and even like the new book, probably like a week before the end of the editing process, we added a whole new chapter to the start of the book. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's that's the kind of shit that happens when you got an editor who knows what they're doing. So, um, <laughs> yeah, I mean, that, I think that yeah, the misconception is, I think these days, because it's easier to get a book published in the sense of, uh, you know, through Amazon and etc. It doesn't necessarily make it easier to write the bloody thing. You know, you still got all that effort and time and back and forthing, as you mentioned. So, I think there is still a barrier to a lot of people and that's probably what's tripping them up so but well that could be that could be true but i mean <clears throat> if you're going to be the sort of person in life that can't can't get shit done like that then i mean i don't know you can't outsource your whole life especially if you're going to be mm-hmm. an entrepreneur at some point you have to do some work and correct yeah. writing a book yep. is definitely not the hardest thing you're going to have to do as an entrepreneur i mean it's really not that hard to write a book mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. hear that brendan <laughs> I do, Ed. I do. <laughs> so, we're going down this path ourselves. Yeah, we, we are discussing this. But so, like, you've got so many things going on. You've got book writing, you've got WP Curve, and then you've got a couple of other businesses on the boil. What's your typical day look like? Is it just 
crazy or is it, you know, how many hours does Dan work and, and what does that look like on a Monday to Friday kind of set up? Um, I, I don't know. I always struggle to answer this question because I don't really know. I just kind of wake up and um, you know, go for a surf sometimes, go, get a coffee, take the kids to school if I've got them, um, and then just just work on whatever is the most pressing and high value adding thing I can work on at the time. I'm, I'm pretty good at delegating. Well, I'm, mm-hmm. I'd say I'm very good at delegating. Well, actually not very good at delegating, but I do, I delegate a lot. <laughs> so I've, I've gotten good at writing processes and I'm not afraid to like really throw people in the deep end, which if you talk to anyone who works for me, they'll tell you the same thing probably with a few extra expletives. Um, but yeah, that's, that's probably the key for me. I don't really work on a lot of stuff that is low value for me personally and I don't, I mean, I still do emails and I spend too much time on Facebook, but um, <laughs> I don't really do right. any procedural operational type stuff. Mm-hmm. So I can like this, like this morning, um, like, like I said, last week, I think I've, like I spent one day brewing beer. Um, I went down to Canberra for a couple of days for a bit of a break. Um, we, we spent some time finalizing investors for our brewery and we ordered equipment from China. Um, I've launched a membership community I've been reviewing my book on my Kindle for the first time um, and, God, I've probably forgotten a bunch of things. Oh, I've launched a new <laughs> podcast. Launched a new podcast this morning called Operation Brewery, which is uh, for the Black Ops <laughs> brewing stuff. Oh, sweet. Um, so, yeah, that's, that's, that's what my week looks like. That's like a pretty common sort of week. Yeah. So you're certainly not working the four-hour work week. Well, it depends how you define working. I think I'm probably working a lot less than most people if you, if you define working as doing something that you don't choose, choose you want mm-hmm. to do because I, I think I spend pretty much all my time doing stuff I do want to do. Um, so if, if that's working, then I guess I work a lot more than other people, but that's not the way I look at it. Yeah. Yeah, that's a very good differentiation. Different. Come on, and you can say it. Because <laughs> <laughs> someone help me out here. <laughs> differentiation. I, I, I want, I want you to Friday. keep crying. It's going to be fun. <laughs> All right. I think some editing will we'll have to get the word right and put it back in there. Just you as can well leave I'm that going. in. <laughs> you just like to make me look silly, don't you, Brendan? Absolutely. I do. Yeah. I do. You make fun it's of me. It's a hard word to say. So. It turns out brewery is also a hard word to say. So our, brewery. our podcast is- Operation Brewery, and I have to say it really slow because it sounds a bit like brewery. <laughs> so that's obviously one of your passions as well is is beer, beer making, beer drinking. Uh, so, so what made yep. you decide to, to set up a, a, a brewery? Tell us that story. Yeah, this is just one of the again one of those things that um, for whatever reason everything fell into place. Like, like most of the stuff I've done from an entrepreneurial point of view, it, things just haven't worked, and I spent all, all of the work out why they haven't worked. Um, but but a couple of things have just worked, and this is one of them. Like we literally made a homebrew. A couple of weeks later, we, we tasted it. was amazing. I got carried away and put up a website and and, <laughs> and printed some labels for the beer. Um, and it it just one thing led to another. We started getting all this press. People started asking us when we were opening. Um, so we did a pilot batch at someone else's brewery, pre-sold all that beer, um, and then we're like, oh, maybe we can open our own brewery. So we so we started trying to get investors, and we met with these investors and. Um, just literally like every step of the way. I'm sure this won't last forever, but so far everything's just gone really well. Fascinating. And what was the name of the brewery? And that's, and that's only been like, it's been less than a year since we made that first homebrew too. Jeez. Wow. So you're opening a physical, physical brewery, like in a building and yeah. equipment and everything. Wow. Yeah. Well, yeah. I mean, one of the first on the Gold Coast, there's only one other, one other independent brewery on the Gold Coast. And there's, and there's, there's I mean, if we open where we're planning on opening, 
which I hope goes through, there's really going to be nothing like it um, in terms of the location and, and the like the cellar door where people can come and have something mm-hmm. really unique. It's going to be the first sort of set up like that on the Gold Coast. And do you have a name for it already or is that uh, – can you say yes, what it's uh, called? Yes, so Black Hops Black is the Hops. name of the um, brewery. And, yeah, so blackhops.com.au is the website and okay. uh, the podcast is called Operation Brewery. Cool. That's pretty cool. Have to have a listen to that. Yeah, awesome. All right. Anything else you have that you would like to ask Dan, Brendan? That's it. That's kind of like everything I've got on my list. I thought I'd have more questions, but I don't know. <laughs> Definitely check out the book if you're listening to this because the book is awesome and has some yeah really good nuggets, especially for, I guess, first-time entrepreneurs, people who are thinking about getting into web stuff because um, a lot of people assume it's easy, but sure they're setting up the website and doing the technical stuff is the easy part but the underlying business mechanics and the thinking behind it i think that's a hard much more difficult task a lot of people kind of underestimate the complexity and the difficulty right like and you talk about a lot of those i guess i don't know if they're they're mental models but you know i guess broad rules of thumb for doing business online and and getting into the whole online thing right yeah and even just i mean i still just accept that when i do something I just don't know if it's going to succeed. And I think a lot of people aren't like that. They sort of, they expect that they'll be able to plan something out and they'll be able to give them ch- themselves a reasonable odds at, at knowing whether or not something's going to work. Um, yeah. And in my experience, I just don't. And, and I know other entrepreneurs don't either because, you know, you see them launch stuff and sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't. And, and a lot of them will sort of, you know, pretend that everything they do, you know, is perfect and, and, and all of that. But I, I just don't think that's how things work. And I'm happy to admit that when I launch something, I have no clue if it's going to work. Um, yeah. So therefore, the, the answer for me is just to launch something quickly and then work out afterwards whether it is working. And if it's not, kill it quickly. If it is, then double down on it. Yeah. And a lot of people assume that if they throw a lot of money at something that, you know, that's in a way guaranteed to succeed, but it's not really at all. That's not the case at all. We see that all the time. No, right? I think, I think yeah. it can be the worst thing to do. I think even with like stuff like paid advertising, I think that's why I like content marketing because a lot of people just start doing content because they can't afford to pay for advertising, which I think is fine because um, if you're trying to do paid ads when you're first launching a business, like you're just going to piss that money against the wall almost mm-hmm. every time because you, you, you're not going to have a clue you know, you're not going to know your numbers. You're going to be up against people who do know your numbers. You're going to be competing directly with those people. And then a couple of months down the track, your business is probably going to be totally different and all that money is going to be wasted. So, um, mm. yeah, I think putting a lot of money is, is definitely not good if you can do it. Although I think, like you said, the first book is really written for people who are either new entrepreneurs or haven't really had a win yet. And I think entrepreneurship changes. Like for me, I wouldn't start a brewery as my first business. That would be a disastrous move. Um but now that I've got something under my belt, I've got the flex to work on some of these passion projects that really aren't accessible to other entrepreneurs, um, and that's that's really cool. But it's good. it's definitely worth keeping in mind that if, if if you're not in that position, you probably shouldn't be following what I'm doing or what what the other entrepreneurs are doing who who have gotten to that point. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, I agree. Great, that's great a mistake advice, a lot of right? people make, right? Like they compare their situation to yours, whereas your mm-hmm. set of circumstances is completely different and very unique. And that, that, uh, yeah, and I'm prepared to take take these risks at this point as well. Like I'm, I'm really like things are going really well for me at the moment, and I'm, I feel like I'm just going hard. Like on all, on all of these projects, like I'm putting a lot of money into this brewery. Um, I'm prepared to lose it all. It's a very big risk, mm-hmm. and um, that, I'm that that's a decision I'm prepared to make at the moment. But it would be a very very bad decision 
for a first time entrepreneur to do the same thing, I think. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Make beer when the sun shines, man. <laughs> like that (laughs) sun always shines on the gold coast (laughs) awesome dan well look thank you again for coming on the podcast it's been fantastic having you and uh people will go and check out your book we'll have links in the show notes for the seven day startup for wp curve and when the new book comes out the content machine that'll be awesome we'll have some links for that as well and you said that's going to be available for free for the first three days is that right yeah, so between the 10th and the 13th, it'll be for free. They can just go to contentmachine.com, which is the domain I paid an exorbitant amount of money for. So please go there so I didn't waste it. <laughs> uh, yeah, and then after that, uh, and then and then so so the free days is basically give the people the book for free and hope to get a few reviews out of it. So if people like it on Amazon, then uh, jump on there and, and review it and that should help it in the rankings and make it make a bit of a splash when it launches. Awesome. Fantastic. All right, guys, good to talk. Thanks again, and uh, thanks, everyone, for listening, and we'll catch you on the flip side. Thanks, guys. You've been listening to The Business Marketing Show. You can find us at businessmarketingshow.com on iTunes, SoundCloud, and Stitcher.